You're listening to the Brooke Snow Podcast, conversations to help you look forward with faith, faith in yourself, faith in God, and faith in your own mission and purpose. I'm your host, Brooke Snow. You have season two, episode 53, Belonging. Welcome to season two of the Brooke Snow Podcast. This season is breaking from tradition in an exciting way. After some lovely negotiation, I received permission from my publisher to publish the audio of my book, Living in Your True Identity, Discover, Embrace, and Develop Your Own Divine Nature, as podcast episodes. Now, right now, this is a tentative experiment, and these episodes may not always be here, so I encourage you to listen while you can. My book is some of my best work, and while I do love my regular podcasts, they are more of a random selection of topics. The book, however, moves progressively, continually building upon a theme and leading you through a process. Each week, I'll release the next chapter. If you like what you hear, please consider purchasing the book for yourself or someone you know who would really benefit from the message. You can pick up a hard copy or Kindle version on Amazon, and I'll provide the link for you to do that in the show notes of this episode. Today, you have chapter 13, Belonging. Chapter 13, Belonging. I had already been away from home for a year and a half. Now I wondered if I would ever see home again. My mission had just ended and my parents and siblings were eager to see this beautiful part of the country. To celebrate my return, they flew out to tour the maritime provinces of Canada and to escort me the rest of the way home. On our return flight to Utah, we stopped for a brief layover in Ottawa, Ontario. As we gathered around the baggage claim, waiting for our bags to circulate toward us, the entire airport suddenly dulled to a stop. The bags no longer moved, the lights went out, and there was a moment of silence before the panic set in. Little did we know that millions of other people had just experienced a similar loss of power. The Northeast blackout of 2003 affected much of the Northeast coast of the United States and Canada. At the time, it was the second largest blackout in history, causing 100 fatalities and millions of people to be stranded without power and basic needs for more than 48 hours. It was not a good day for travel. (laughs) Here we were, a family of five completely stranded in a foreign country. Since this was the middle stop of our itinerary, we were now far away from the familiarity of my mission area, and I knew no one to turn to for help. All flights were grounded indefinitely, unable to function without power and ground communication. Travelers all around us spoke in alarmed tones. All of us felt disconnected and we yearned for home. My dad gathered what information he could from airport staff and then gathered us into a huddle. We circled our luggage, and counsel together on what to do. One fellow traveler had suggested renting a car and driving to Montreal, Quebec. Quebec operated from their own power grid, and they would have a functioning airport. We prayed together about this decision, and all agreed it was the best option. My dad left briefly to the row of car rental businesses, only to find every rental closing down, having rented every last car on the lot. One business remained. And the man handed my dad the keys to their last vehicle, a van, exactly the right size for a family of five with loads of luggage, a true tender mercy. 
We anxiously piled into the van and did our best to navigate our way to Montreal. We turned on the radio to keep updated on the state of affairs now affecting an estimated 55 million people. Stories came in over the speakers of runs on grocery stores, drivers abandoning their vehicles after driving as far as possible before running out of gas, gas stations raising gas prices not knowing when they would receive more fuel, restaurants closing from spoiled food unable to be refrigerated or cooked, people trapped in elevators, cell phone communication unavailable, fires started from careless use of emergency candles. The list of chaos went on and on. Within a few hours, we arrived in Montreal. Thankful the drive was within distance of a single tank of gas and joined thousands of other stranded travelers now cleaving to the Montreal airport as their final hope. My dad waited for two hours in line for a payphone to talk to the airlines about rerouting our tickets, only to find that my own ticket, having been booked separately by the church, would not be able to reroute with the rest of my family. I was not considered to be part of the same travel party, and it was estimated that I would need to wait several more days in Montreal by myself. The shock of the news was devastating to me. Beyond the alarming misadventure of trying to return home, the thought of now being separated from my family and left in a foreign city with no sense of belonging was crushing. My family home was far away. My mission home was far away. And I was soon to be left in a French-speaking city, now overtrodden with stray refugees. I felt displaced and alone. We miraculously found an available room in a nearby hotel and spent the night in a real bed, all while I prayed to not be abandoned. My family was scheduled to depart on an afternoon flight, and my ticket still hung detached and unavailable for several more days. Following day, I accompanied my family to the airport once again. The high energy usually found in airports was replaced with the anxious hope of weary travelers desperate to get even miles closer to their destination. We waited in another line for several hours to talk to an exhausted flight attendant who had the overwhelming job of verifying flights one by one for an endless amount of people. I leaned over the counter expressing my desire to join my family on the upcoming flight, and she weakly muttered, I'll see what I can do. More than 20 minutes passed as she typed into the computer and shook her head and then tried again and again. Please let me join my family, I silently prayed as I hovered close by watching her every move. She tried again and again, but was continually met with restrictions. The need to belong. The desire for home and belonging runs deep and is considered on par with our basic needs of survival and safety. Beyond the extreme experience of separation that I had in my grand feet coming home, the fundamental need for belonging, even in the day-to-day -day moments, is a constant pulse within us all. In 1943, American psychologist Abraham Maslow published his observation of the fundamental human needs we each require to realize our full potential. Maslow's hierarchy of needs has become iconic and begins with the most basic need for human survival, starting with physiological needs, 
safety and the need for love and belonging. True identity, or as Maslow refers to it, self-actualization, includes our basic need to belong. Why is this need to belong so important? Belonging is innate and necessary for our growth and happiness. In the grand scheme of creation, we are all connected. We were all created by God. He is our father and we are his children. We are wired with a homing instinct that urges us to find our way back to our heavenly family. And thus we seek belonging. Yet the adversary tries to persuade us to find belonging in the wrong places and wrong ways. Soon enough, the false identity whispers that we don't belong in the very places that have potential to help us return, our families, churches, and communities. We must learn to channel the need for belonging in a way that truly unites and empowers. Belonging begins in our relationship to God. You must know he loves you and accepts you. From there, you can expand your circle to the rest of your brothers and sisters of the world. Unfortunately, it's common for us to switch the order, seeking belonging first from other people and then wondering why our sense of belonging lacks stability. Perhaps you have felt this fleeting sense of belonging in your own circles. Differences versus similarities. Years ago, I was balancing a life of young motherhood and entrepreneurship. I spent most of my time reading books, articles, and watching videos to help me learn the skills I needed to improve my work. My business was my life. By invitation from a friend at church, I began to attend a weekly playgroup at a community park with other young moms. Conversation in the group hovered around mothering topics such as potty training, meal planning, and budgeting. While these issues are an obvious part of my day-to-day, I found little stimulation talking about it. I quickly realized that I was the only working mom in the bunch, and I isolated myself in my thoughts. I felt like I didn't belong. I couldn't relate to anyone. They couldn't relate to me. I was different. I didn't belong in this group. No one understood me. No one shared the same interest in business, and I couldn't possibly connect if I was so very different from them. I found that emphasizing my differences created a wide divide. Like a broken piece of ice floating further and further away from the massive iceberg, each difference I dwelled upon drifted me apart from the larger whole. It wasn't until I flipped my focus 180 degrees and began to look for the ways we were the same that connection came within reach again. The body of Christ. There's a delicate dance between the need for individuality and the need for community in this quest for belonging. Like the tension between how we are the same and how we are different, it is the polarity that actually holds us together in the perfect balance. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, likened this dichotomy to being a part of the body of Christ. He describes the unique calling of each individual, saying, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. 
it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? But God has put the body together so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12, 14 through 19, and 24 through 27. Paul beautifully illustrates the unique contribution we make as individuals to a greater whole. We're all different, and we are all one. Belonging comes when you have an understanding of your unique contribution to the greater whole and a vision for what the greater whole really is. If you never know you are part of the body, you will never understand how you contribute. The economy of belonging, give and receive. It is important for you to do the work to discover your own unique gifts. What part do you play? What fascinating qualities do you bring to the world? Are you the hand, the foot, the mouth, the eye, the ear, the smile? For all have not every gift given unto them, for there are many gifts, and to every man is given a gift by the Spirit of God. To some is given one, and to some is given another, that all may be profited thereby. Doctrine and Covenants 46, 11-12 You are intentionally unique. You are different. You have been empowered with your own gifts to serve the world. When you can see the differences in context of abundance, you understand that you bring a unique contribution to the whole. You belong in a wonderful way. When you see your differences as lacking, you hide your gifts, begrudgingly back away and separate yourself. You may wonder why your gifts are different from others' gifts, unable to see that what is missing is you. This distribution of unique gifts creates a currency. Remember that all man may be profited thereby. You need not possess a gift to benefit from the gift. The benefit comes in giving and receiving. It's a currency, an exchange. You are profited when you receive from another. Others profit when they receive from you. This economy of sharing the gifts of your true identity rests upon your willingness to give and receive. This economy crashes when you allow fear and scarcity to prevent an exchange. And as Paul prophesied, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Resonance. When you experience the synergy of belonging, you experience resonance. High resonance occurs when the exchange of give and receive is in unrestrained flow. You feel free to share and free to receive from one another. 
Have you experienced this in your dearest relationships? You feel complete freedom to be in your true identity, confide and contribute because you know that you will be well-received and profit from the other person in return. You feel safe and loved. You belong. Low resonance comes from an imbalance in this exchange. You or the other person holds back from giving or receiving. Perhaps fear creeps in or the false identity warns that you won't be accepted. And so you withdraw from giving or receiving. Have you experienced this in your relationships? Resonance can be found both as a natural connection and as a cultivated one. Because we fluctuate in our ability to give and receive, the resonance of our relationships can change as well. If you desire more resonance in your relationship with your spouse, child, friend, colleague, or community, look for ways to increase the give and receive and watch the resonance of belonging increase. We naturally resonate higher or lower among the variety of people in our world. It's a guidance system to help you navigate to the people you most need in your life. When high resonance occurs, it's a celebration and a true gift. It's how you find your people and your own circle of belonging. High resonance is a great indication for choosing who to marry, (laughs) who to bring into your closest group of friends, and who to trust and build a community with. We often resonate high with people who can help us nurture our own gifts. Resonance is my guide for choosing what books to read, what topics to learn, what podcasts to listen to, who to spend time with, and which relationships are important for me to cultivate. Cultivating belonging. But what about the times you feel like you don't belong? When resonance is low and belonging feels out of reach. I recently sat in a Relief Society meeting where the class discussed the topic of belonging. How many of you feel like you don't belong here? The teacher asked. A shocking display of hands rose. Hands of people who regularly came to church. Hands of people whose lives seemed so put together. For the next 30 minutes, vulnerable feelings are shared among women of all ages. Confessing the circumstances they felt separated them. Coupled with a desire to feel more belonging in their church community. Sometimes we think we are the only one. And in a moment of trust, we learn that others feel the same. A strange feeling of connection settled upon us simply from realizing that we weren't alone in the struggle. To cultivate belonging, you must participate in the economy through giving and receiving. This alone indicates the health of every community. There's a continuous outward and inward flow. You must give and you must receive If you believe you can profit from every person in your circle, you become open to receiving. When you understand your own unique gifts to contribute, you become open to giving. This is the heart of belonging. Giving of your true identity requires courage and can take many forms. You give by sharing your gifts, sharing your heart, sharing your presence. A willingness to show up as you and not your false identity is a generous act of giving. Receiving requires your own openness. Gone are the barriers of defense and protection, and you allow people into your own heart, 
Receiving is just as brave as giving, for it requires trust to let someone in. This act of cultivating belonging is work. Your heart and mind must be regularly purged of the blocks that prevent you from giving and receiving. Yet again, the art of self-care and routine practices of empowerment and clearing tools are fundamental in allowing you to maintain your ability to give and receive. Whenever I start to feel like I don't belong in any of my circles, I first look to myself. What do I believe that makes me feel this way? What story am I telling myself that makes me feel this way? How can I write a new story? Am I truly giving? Am I truly receiving? Start with belonging to God. Because we're human, we struggle to maintain belonging. There are times, even when the high resonance we feel with those closest to us will be less. Yet there is one who is steady and perfect in giving and receiving. There is one to whom we always belong. The true nature of God is love. He is constantly giving, and his arms are always outstretched to receive us. When you come to know God in his true nature and nurture your relationship to him, you find belonging of the most enduring kind. My own sense of belonging to God has been grounded through the simple mantra, I love and accept you, Brooke. I mentioned this mantra in meditation earlier as an empowerment tool in chapter six. I quickly discovered in my daily practice that these words are more than a pep talk of my true identity, trying to convince me of my worth. These words come from someone greater than I am. As I practice this meditation, I've transitioned to repeating these words in my mind while visualizing them coming from Jesus Christ. As soon as I imagined this mantra to come from him, I began to develop a deeply personal connection to him. I felt grounded in the truth of these words and I found home. I also found a deeper connection to other people after I found belonging to the Lord. My foundation is now solid and regardless of what happens around me, I always have a connection to home. I belong to him always. He is unchanging, which means his love and acceptance of me is unchanging. This mantra is always true. Even when my false identity masquerades briefly, I still belong to him. I practice fast forgiveness of myself and realign to truth. As I stood at the airport counter in my dramatic journey home, prayerfully watching the compassionate flight attendant searching to reconfigure my journey, I felt a conviction for home like never before. Home wasn't a place as much as it was being part of my family. The thought of being separated from them was far more grievous than never making it back to my house in Utah. I longed for belonging. Home was where belonging was. Finally, after one last try, the flight attendant gave a sigh of relief. A tiny smile crossed her face she handed me a boarding pass. I want you to go home with your family, she whispered. I started to cry. We'd be together after all. Jesus taught again and again, the kingdom of God is within you. Luke 17, 21. 
The kingdom of God is home. It's where God dwells. And it is always inside you. You are part of his family. When you awaken to your divine nature and live in your true identity, you find belonging. It was there all along. Welcome home. I hope you enjoyed the final chapter from my book, Living in Your True Identity, Discover, Embrace, and Develop Your Own Divine Nature. It's been a pleasure to share these chapters with you by reading them aloud myself. I hope the tools and messages shared with you have helped you in your own journey to live in your true identity. This message, while inspiring, is only effective when practiced. If you listen to this book and you love what you hear and you wonder where to start, how to practice these ideas in your own life, I invite you to take my Christian Meditation 40-Day Challenge course. Meditation is my most important practice of the day, and it is my number one way to help me live in my true self. This one habit has changed my life. It's small and simple, but it reaps incredible rewards. But the key is consistency. That's why I love that this is a 40-day challenge. Challenge is to do it for 40 consecutive days. And starting a new habit, and even more so being consistent, can be tricky. This is why I offer every student a free buddy pass, allowing you to handpick your own friend or family member to take the course with you. You get your own accountability partner and you both do the challenge together. Two people start a new empowering practice instead of just one. If this is calling out to you, I invite you to register at the link in the show notes, or you can find it on my website at brooksnow.com. You can do this. You are worthy. You are whole. I am cheering you on.